0: It's 3rd and Central Podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Live from the burn, here's your host. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 3rd and Central Podcast, the only podcast dedicated solely to the University of Louisville baseball program. This is Matt Sefkovic, and as always, I'm joined by Aaron Turner. Aaron, we're now into February, and for nerds like you and I, It's finally college baseball season. It's here. I know in Kentucky, it doesn't quite seem like baseball season if you walk outside right now, as we're probably going to have some snow on the radar before too terribly long. But nonetheless, here before too long at Jim Patterson Stadium, it's going to feel a little different as Louisville's actually lining up against other teams in the opposing dugout. You're going to have the American Flags out for opening day the ball's going to be popping a little bit louder than it normally does the the atmosphere is just going to be different college baseball is finally here we've been waiting for this for a long time we've been talking about this day for a long time and it is finally here
2: yeah i'm super excited there's no other words for me to say just super excited going to be a great year not only for louisville but just you know college baseball in general super excited to continue to see the game grow like it has been over the last few years. And with all the big names that the sport has to offer right now, I think the 2024 is just going to continue to, to get bigger, get better. And and college baseball is just going to continue to take off.
0: I, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. The, the game has just grown exponentially over the last couple of years. And it just continues to grow. If you look at the viewership and the amount of games that they're starting to put on ESPN and on national television and, the attendance at these, you know, home games and the attendance at the regionals and super regionals and college world series—it just continues to grow. And as a as a Louisville baseball fan, but also just a a baseball fan in general, it's just good to see the the game continue its upward tra- trajectory that we've seen over the past couple of years. And I think the more people we have out there talking about it, and the more websites that are popping up and podcasts that are popping up it's just more readily available because I think that was always the problem with college baseball is you really just didn't have access to quality content but now you do with the third and central podcast it is here
2: (laughs) yes sir Uh, yes sir
0: (laughs) but no we do have a lot to unpack tonight as we head into the preview of the 2024 season we've we're kind of flipping the page from our off-season diamond dialogues that we had that Kind of ended abruptly, we had another special guest we wanted to have on and things just didn't work out because of timing and schedules and whatnot. But we do plan to have um, him on before too terribly long during the season. So um, keep your ears peeled for that. So before we jump into the preview of the season, I do want to give a shout out to the the women of Third and Central. I was walking back here tonight to do the podcast. And as I do every podcast, I have a glass of bourbon. And just helps me get through it. And I'm walking back here empty handed. And my wife looks at me and she says, Where's your glass of bourbon? And I was like, I knew there was a reason I married you. <laughs> so so I turned my little butt around. I went and got a glass of bourbon. So so cheers to everybody on a successful college baseball season. Hopefully we'll get back on track. Yes, sir. So we'll go ahead and hop into things. I know we kind of talked about the schedule a little bit on a couple episodes back, and we'll We'll dive into that just a tad, just the beginning of the schedule because before too long we'll be previewing some of those games. Louisville is opening up the season this year down in Tampa like they have done in the past. They actually open up February 16th against Indiana State. That's going to be a noon game. Then on Saturday, the 17th, they'll play South Florida. And then on Sunday they will finish out the round robin against Connecticut at 9 a.m., those three games are part of a round robin, so all four teams play each other. The only bad thing about this tournament is with South Florida being the host in Tampa, the only game that Louisville's playing down there that will be televised will be the Saturday 4 o'clock game against South Florida. And it's on ESPN Plus, so you would have to have a subscription to ESPN Plus to watch it. So other than that, the, the Friday and the Sunday game will not be televised, but – Hopefully they'll be on the radio. We can catch those somewhere. So after those three, Louisville will head back home, take on Xavier for their home opener on February 21st. That's Wednesday. And then they'll welcome St. Bonaventure the following weekend for a three-game series at Jim Patterson Stadium. So that's kind of the first, what, seven games of the season. What's your your outlook on those first seven?
2: Well, first of all, if you're maybe new to Louisville baseball – Maybe you might be a little bummed about two of those first three not being on TV. Don't be a great opportunity to catch Sean Moth on the radio. We were absolutely lucky to have Sean. I'm very much looking forward to to tuning in to Sean that first weekend. Uh, but, you know, sticking with the theme of that first weekend, I'm loving the the idea of opening up with one against Indiana State on Friday who should have hosted a Super Regional last year due to circumstances beyond their control. They couldn't host that Super Regional um, and then on Sunday, we've got UConn. And UConn has always been a very impressive team, especially a team that, that's coming from the north. Uh, you know, not a lot of not a lot of big name baseball comes out of there, but definitely very excited about about those two games. It's a good early test, and it's gonna be a good way to see what we have early on.
0: Yeah, and like you said, you know, we we played a lot of good games against UConn back in the day. We're in the Big East and whatever conferences they made up that we were in for those couple of years it seemed like Louisville and Connecticut were always kind of the top of the class in the conference. So it's always good to play them. It seems like we've matched up with UConn over the past couple of years. It seems like we play them early in the season. So good to kind of keep that, I guess, kind of rivalry going and getting to play a good quality team out of the gate. Cause I hate when you start a season with somebody, you know, like St. Bonaventure, we've got the next weekend, but you know, having a full three game series to start the season, it's just good to see some, higher talent to start the season and talk about indiana state there's a good possibility that and we will talk a lot about this tonight sebastian gongora who could be louisville's ace this year he actually pitched against indiana state last year in the regional for wright state um, as the four seed when indiana state was the one so it could be a match or a rematch for sebastian to take on them that was actually i believe the only loss that he took last year was against indiana state so be a good good chance for him to redeem himself
2: yeah i mean i i know that you know you look at at three schools and names are indiana state usf and uconn and you're looking at those three like those aren't traditionally baseball schools that's not something you think about when playing good competitive baseball but keep in mind that we also went to start the season in Tampa. I want to say it was in 22 and we went one and two down there that that year. And we made the super regional with that team that year as well. So this is going to be a lot of good baseball. You're, It's not, you know, the St. Bonaventure, not the Bellarmine that we're going to see, you know, in a few weeks after, after the opening weekend, but it, it's going to be some, some really good baseball. And I'm excited to see what we have early on.
0: And I don't want to, turn the page too fast without touching on some of the other schedule highlights we won't dive into it much because we'll talk about this quite a bit between now and the end of the season but Louisville's got a road gauntlet in the ACC they had to wake they go to Florida State and Miami wake is the number one team in the country basically every publication so you know they are top of the class in the ACC and Louisville has to go down there always struggling Tallahassee at Miami that's obviously going to be a tough series <clears throat> got the usual series with Cincinnati Bandy, home and home with Kentucky so we'll get them twice and then you know some of the other in-state foes Bellarmine Western Northern Eastern so we'll get some of those other teams that we typically have on the schedule as well but the ACC is going to be tough this year you know depending on what ranking publication you look at you know there's six seven teams in the top 25 so it, it's not going to be easy to get through the ACC. Louisville's got a, a tough schedule ahead of them, but they also have a lot of winnable games at home, and those are the ones that they really have to take care of business, I think, because it, as much as you want to go down to Wake Forest and win the series, it, I mean, that's a tough place to play, and it's a damn good baseball team. So you really got to take care of business at home and then just try to steal a couple on the road when you can here and there.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. Like you said, you know, going down to Wake Forest – and asking to take two or three, you know, you, you hope to just get away with one. And that's not a knock on the Louisville team. That's just how good Wake Forest is. Top to bottom, that team is loaded and definitely an early favorite for, for national champions. Yeah. You know, and, and it doesn't get any easier from there because, like you said, you go on the road to Miami, you go on the road to Tallahassee, visit Florida State. And, you know, those are our long trips. Those are, very tough places to play and you know it's like you said just take taking care of business at home is definitely going to be a key early on especially looking to bounce back after the season we had last year
0: yeah speaking of let's kind of talk about the rankings this year heading into 2024 and what that kind of
2: looks like for louisville yeah for sure um you know there's really not much to say we we completely missed out on pretty much all rankings this year Believe that D one had us on on teams to watch, and and but other than that, there's really nothing to report. You know, you miss miss the conference tournament last year, and you know, that that's the first time in school history year you find yourself at the bottom of the ACC. You know, obviously after that, you find yourself on the outside of the field of sixty four. You know, it's it's no shock to anybody that we are on the outside looking in this year. Um, you know, but like we like we did in in 22, and we missed the tournament in 21. You just have to go out and prove it again. Uh, I I do think that we have the squad that that can go out and prove it. I do think that there's a number of question marks, but I do think that this is a squad that can go out and and show that this is still the Louisville baseball that we're used to.
0: Yeah, and the, you talk about rankings a little bit. The ACC preseason rankings and all that stuff came out, and Louisville was sitting at fifth in their division, not in the ACC, fifth in their division. So it, it's definitely going to be an uphill battle. But like you said, this team, there, there's a lot of experience, which we'll talk about. There's a lot of experience. There's a lot of, kind of upperclassmen, which is, is new to Louisville. That's not something that they have typically become accustomed to over the years because most older guys get drafted, move on, and then we rely on the younger guys to come in. So I think this is going to be a good blend. I think there's the, the roster management, kind of all lined up this year that this could be a really special team um the one did pick Louisville as a tournament team in their preseason ACC preview so you know they do think Louisville has the tools and the and the players to compete and to make the tournament this year and I think you if you ask Dan McDonald and Roger Williams Eric Snyder any of the coaches on the staff that's not the goal they don't want to just make the tournament but but when you miss the tournament two or three years you know right now, let's just get there and then make some noise and see what happens going forward. I think that's the name of the game for the 2024 season. One of the hot tickets questions that I always get heading into this season because the way last year ended and, you know, Dan's comments after one of our last games about wanting to work for a school that the administration was serious about baseball and serious about winning and, and serious about facilities and, you know, that that's kind of been a, a gripe of his for a while, just the, the lack of facilities at, at Louisville. And we could sit here and talk about that through a blue in the face, but it's a hundred percent factual. But the facilities we're supposed to get some face this year. I know they're underway, getting some locker rooms and and things like that for the guys, which which will help as far as recruiting. And you know, obviously that that doesn't equate to on the field results, people got all up in arms when Dan started talking about that last year, that, oh, if we have better locker rooms, that doesn't mean we're going to win games. Well, it helps get recruits and stuff like that. So it it does play into it when everybody else is doing it. So that that, some of that stuff is underway. The biggest question we always get is, and I get people talking to me about this all the time, is the outfield, the indoor facility beyond the left field wall that they kind of talked about years ago, Vince Tyree did before COVID and all that stuff. just At this point in time, I I don't know if or when that happens with the landscape of college athletics now and the price tag of that thing, how it has exponentially gone up just due to the prices of everything. You can look around and insert the price of whatever you want to. Everything has gone up substantially. So if that happens, I think that is a long-term goal now rather than something that will be done sooner than later. So that's kind of where they stand on facilities. That's just a hot question we always get. I, I think you'll probably continue to see more movement on that front but nothing major like the indoor field like like many had hoped for
2: I mean it is a little frustrating to see you know like you said it is factual you look around at at the rest of the ACC and you see us falling behind them but not only the ACC but you're looking around at at mid-major teams all the time that are getting facility upgrades getting indoor facilities you're like wow like that's that's a school that's serious about baseball and you know we definitely just on the team side and and coaching staff we are definitely serious about baseball but like dan said is the administration of the school really serious about baseball and before too long i you know depending on what route the the administration wants to go here they're gonna they're gonna show whether they are or not really soon
0: no you're you're spot on and and I, I think the most frustrating thing to me is something you mentioned. It, it's not only what's going on in the landscape of college baseball at your LSUs and your Arkansas. But look what Western Kentucky university just announced. That's a beautiful facility for their baseball players and, and coaches and offices and indoor hitting and weight rooms and all this stuff. And, and unfortunately we just don't have that. And you would think a program that had been to you know, five college world series in the last what 20 years would have that investment into the program. And so far we're just not seeing it. It, it, It's just not there. There's no really other way to put it. So hopefully that happens. Hopefully that changes because if not, I think you're going to probably have a complete overhaul at some point in time because the current staff, they're just not going to put up with it. You know, they can go somewhere else and get it at another university. So, and I don't blame them. You know, if they feel like they have the support of their administration somewhere, um, they're going to go find it somewhere else. So enough about that. I hate to dwell on that because we got a season that's about to start that we can jump into. So heading into 2024, the rosters, we are we got a lot of guys that are gone. But I guess for all intents and purposes, we've got a lot of guys that are returning familiar faces that are coming back, which like I said earlier, that that's not typically the case with Louisville because they always have so many, um, so many guys that are graduating and there's a lot of turnover, but this year you're going to see a lot of familiar faces. A couple guys that are transferred out to start with those guys. We've lost 15 since the end of last season. That probably sounds like an alarming number, but a lot of them are, were freshmen. A couple of them were freshmen this year that showed up this fall and have already transferred out. So a couple of the big ones to talk about, Braden Calise, Um he transferred, transferred to Central Florida with Alex Galvon, big right-handed pitcher who I think could have uh, been beneficial to have Galvon this year. But he's gone. Noah Smith transferred back closer to home. He's a middle infielder. He went to Illinois State. Now, Will Cook just announced he transferred not too long ago after the uh, winter semester that he uh, transferred out to John A. Logan Community College. And then I think the biggest one probably that we lost this year is Greg Perrone. Went down to Alabama, big left-handed pitcher, started some, came in relief some, you know, uh, big-time left-handed pitcher that transferred to us from Herkimer College up in New York. So those are some of the – like I said, there's 15 of them, but those are probably the biggest ones that would have gotten some time this year on the field. So uh, not a whole lot to replace. I think we probably have more coming in. Than we had going out, but those are a couple of the names that you won't see on the field this year that we probably saw last year.
2: Yep, and then following the transfers, we really don't have too many more who drafted and even fewer who graduated. Um, Christian Napschuk went in the fifth round of the draft last year to Cleveland. Tate Keener went in the seventh round to Milwaukee. Ryan Hawks in the eighth round to Seattle and Jack Payton in the 11th round to San Francisco. Uh, Just four guys. It's a little bit lighter in the draft uh, than it normally is. I think we could have had a few more guys go, but a lot of older guys decided to come back and return to school, hopefully improve their draft stock for this coming season. And then the lone graduate out of the program is Cam Robinson. He's not even really out of the program anymore. Uh, He decided to join the staff as a grad assistant, which, if you go to any of the games and uh, you just see how all the guys interact with each other, that is no surprise at all. Always thought Cam Robinson would make a good grad assistant after he was done playing, so super excited to keep him around for one more season and hopefully, uh, hopefully, add another branch to the Dan McDonald coaching tree.
0: It seems like the his coaching tree just continues to get branches uh, every single year. We, you know, somebody else has branched out. I know we talked about this before, but I'm super excited about Corey Ray in his um as he you know starts into his managerial career so hopefully that works out for him he's with the Cubs
2: organization single A is that right uh yes he was the bench coach in single A last year for Chicago
0: yeah so um super excited for Corey Ray to see kind of him progress in his uh coaching career so kind of enough about who we're not going to have let's kind of flip the script to who we do have coming back and we'll kind of break this down position by position and obviously pitchers that's that's the biggest fight here to take off so let's just start with pitchers and and some of the guys that are returning first and i'll I'll let you go ahead and start with who i think is probably one of my favorite guys returning this year and that's patrick forbes
2: yeah like like you said one of my favorite guys returning as well i'm Big Patrick Forbes guy, always have been. And I think that this year is going to be even more of a reason to be a Patrick Forbes guy. You know, he went out last year, played in over 40 games in the lineup, uh, got a lot of time to yaching, spent some time out in the outfield. Uh, believe he was also maybe sometime at third base a little bit as well. Uh, on the mound, nothing really eye-popping. Had an ERA over seven in his freshman campaign. Uh, seemed to struggle a little bit with Finding control, walks were a little bit of an issue at times. Um, but he, then he heads to the Cape Cod League over the summer and absolutely takes off. Some of the numbers that he put up in the Cape were just ridiculous. The velo is up. He's He goes from being you know, a 90-92 to 92 guy to unlock some things mechanically, gets a little bit more smoother. Now he's a 96-97 guy. I think we're looking at a, at a weekend rotation arm. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Dan uses him outside of pitching. Does he still DH? Does he still get some some reps in the outfield, especially with how deep the outfield is this year? Um, but as of right now, it looks like pitching is now top priority for Patrick Forbes. Uh, I'm I'm super excited to to see where he fits in this this mix of of guys on the mound.
0: Yeah, it was fun to watch Patrick last year. You know, first couple of times you see him out on the mound, you could tell he was just a little jittery. You, you know, I had the, the the freshman bug. It, it's hard to get up there. You know, it's different than when you're playing high school baseball in Bardstown. You know, everybody – I'm sorry, Bowling Green. Everybody um, – you're, you're the best on the field every position you play. No one is as good as you are. You know, he was Mr. Baseball here in Kentucky. Like, he, he just overpowered everybody. So then you take that step to college, and it, it just takes a little bit of time to adjust. But it was kind of fun to watch Patrick and how he, you know, the first time he took the mound versus the last time he took the mound and just how much more comfortable he looked up there. And I I think just spending that time in the Cape and spending more time here in Louisville with Coach Roger Williams, I'm just really excited to see what Patrick brings to the table this year. I'm going to go ahead and jump over to another guy from Kentucky, Cade Grundy. He'll be a junior this year from Somerset. He logged 17 appearances last year, actually picked up six starts. Most of them are midweek. But I think Grundy will probably transition over to a weekend reliever type role this season. I think that's probably where he's better suited. Um, he was 3-0 last year with a 5.60 ERA, had 31 strikeouts and in 35 innings. But kind of his big thing was kind of giving up the big hit. Gave up seven home runs last year, just too many extra base hits uh, for Cade. But if he can cut that down, very serviceable. I think he'll be very uh, relied upon, arm out of the bullpen this year, especially on some of those big weekend series. So excited to see what Cade has. He had a really, really good summer this year. He was actually in the Cape as well. He had a 2.38 ERA. So dropped that almost in, or more than in half from his season last year at Louisville um had 11 strikeouts in 11 innings so excited to see what what Cade does this year and hopefully we'd see him take that step from his sophomore to his junior year like we've seen many pitchers do in Roger Williams system
2: yeah i mean i like cade as well i i think that potentially an issue for him the last couple of years is we haven't really had the depth on the mound you know that, so he's kind of been pushed into some spots where he really Probably shouldn't have been, and that's a no fault of his own. Um, you know, and I think I think this year as you know, we probably have a little bit more depth than we have the last couple of years. You can put him in the bullpen, give him a more defined role. And I I anticipate to see him thrive this year. So moving on to Carson Liggett. Carson was probably our top pitcher last year. know, he, uh, he made all the Sunday starts for Dan McDonald's 2023 squad. Super excited to have Carson back. Oh, he's definitely going to be in the weekend rotation again this year. Uh, last year, he was an all-ACC second team. He made 14 starts on the mound. He went 7-2 and two with a 3.42 ERA over that span. Uh, he also struck out 64 in 71 innings. He just He's a gamer. I, I love watching Carson pitch. Love seeing him go out and do his thing. Uh, he's very under the radar guy. I don't think a lot of people around the country or even around the ACC have really given Carson Liggett a second thought, um, but I'm I'm super excited to see him go out and, you know, hopefully take another step forward because we've seen him take two steps forward every, you know, every new year, he goes out there and shows that he's been better than before. But if, if he goes out there and already improves on what is already an ACE status level pitcher that we had last year, I think we've got ourselves an absolute dog in the weekend rotation.
0: Yeah, and I love what you said about uh, Carson. You know, he's not really getting a lot of respect on his name this year, which is mind blowing to me after what he did last year. I think he, when he goes, when he takes them out, he kind of reminds me of like a Brendan McKay, just because he's he's so calm up there. Like you, you can like nothing really phases him. He's just kind of up there eh, throwing the baseball. Like he's just, but he's so damn good at what he does. But it looks effortless to him. Um, but yeah, I, I remember McKay used to do this, and I'm like, dude, show some emotion. Uh, <laughs> I'm like you, you just struck out the side in the super regional. Like show some emotion. But no, that that's kind of how Carson is, and I'm not comparing Carson to Brendan. But that's just he he kind of plays the game like Brendan did. He he lets the game come to him. Doesn't really force a whole lot, and he's just he's just cool, calm, and collected up there. So I'm gonna go ahead and jump over to another local ish guy, will Coger from Bardstown. He'll be a junior this year. Uh, like Kay Grundy, they came in the class together. He had sixteen appearances last year, one start. Coger's kind of the one for me that Aaron you and I talk about will Coger all the time. Guy's got all kinds of talent and 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 you'll see it and then and then he'll have a bad game or two and it just kind of spirals into a bad week or two. So I think Coger's a, a, a got the talent. I mean, if you look at some of the draft boards, he's he's been high up on them in the past. I haven't looked as of recently, but everybody's always high on Will Coger. I think I was looking up some stuff about him the other day. Coming out of high school, he was, you know, a top 200 prospect. So, you know, the scouts have been all over him since since his time in high school. So I, he, the talent's there. It's just he. I think he's got to figure it out between the ears this year, um, in order to take that next step on the mound, because there's a big need for someone like Will Coger out of the bullpen to throw strikes. I think he's going to be very similar. His role this year will be like a Cade Grundy. He'll be a weekend reliever type guy. Um, I I wouldn't mind seeing Will get a couple midweek starts or so just to prepare him, because that could be a role that he could take on in the future. He could be a starter. I mean, he's a weekend type starter arm. We just haven't seen the consistency from him yet. So um, he had 25 strikeouts last year in 24 innings, but his biggest thing was walks. He walked he walked 16 batters last year. So that number has to improve. He did go up to the Cape this year again, and his walks were significantly down in 26 innings. He only walked 11 batters, which was much improved from the season last year at Louisville. So I think Coger. Like I said, he's got the tools. He's as talented as anybody in the roster. I've got high hopes for him. I really think he can be a big contributor out of the bullpen this year. So super excited to see what Will brings to this bullpen.
2: Uh, Will Coger, hot take here real quick. I, I do think that there's uh, there's potential there to be a closer this season. I, do, I, I can do see that. that. Yeah, I, I'm going to call it right now. Will Coger, 2024 Louisville closer.
0: I'm not mad at it. He's
2: got the talent. And let me tell you this, he's got the
0: personality to do it, too. Not only does he have the talent to do it, but he's kind of got that. He's pissed off every time he takes them out. And you want that from a closer.
2: For sure. Yeah. So I want to jump over here back to another sophomore. going to go with Tucker Biven for my next one. Uh, Freshman season, played in 20 games, saw probably a handful of those. At the with the bat, uh, made 16 appearances on the mound and started four of those games. He finished 0-2 with a four point eight one record, which really doesn't jump out at you too well, but he he had some innings last year where you thought, okay, like we're looking at, at an absolute dog on the mound. This is a guy that can't really throw. But just like what happens to most freshmen, you know, the season kind of starts catching up to you. You know, not it's not something that you're used to playing as much as, as the college baseball season demands, and so he kind of lost some steam there at the end. Uh, so you know that little bit of an inflated ERA of four point eight one, but I I really like Biven. I've I've been a Biven guy for you know a few years now, even when we went back and and recruited him out of high school. And I I'm super excited to see what he can do this year, just like Patrick Forbes I mentioned. You know, a few minutes ago, does Tucker Bivin have a future with both the bat and on the mound? You know, we saw Bivin hit last year too, and uh, he looked pretty good in the box for a freshman, for sure. So, I'm excited to see you know potentially having two potential two way guys for the 2024 season.
0: Yeah, I think we talked about this a few minutes ago with someone else, but I think Bivin was in a similar situation last year. He was put into some situations that he probably and normal scenarios that Louisville would not have got inserted into. So, I, and like you said, that's not his fault. He, he can't control what's going on around him. So I do look for Tucker to take a step this year. And like you said, he could be a two-way guy um, with with a couple of the transfers, losing Noah Smith at as a middle infield position, as a backup. Like, where does Tucker fit in there now? So it could be a situation where he, he he could see time somewhere in the middle infield as well. So, I'm going to switch over to Wyatt Daniel Levich. When I was making the list, I had to put Daniel Levich on me because I just love saying his last name. But I think he, since we're in the in the spirit of making bold predictions tonight, you talked about Will Coger could be the closer this year. I think Daniel Levich could be one of the best relief pitchers in the entire bullpen this season for Louisville. I really think his stuff is that good. We didn't see him a whole lot last year. We only saw him four times. He's a sophomore. He only threw two and two-thirds innings. He went up to the NECBL this year, New England Collegiate Baseball League, threw six innings, had a 1.42 ERA. So, I mean, didn't throw a ton. But I think with one more year, the fall and workouts with uh, Roger Williams and, you know, spending some time here, he's developed a slider that – from all accounts that I've heard, is one of the best around. I think he is going to be a force in the bullpen. And I I think he's going to be one of those guys you're like, whoa, like where did he come from when he was in the bullpen last year the whole time? And we've seen it time and time again. You've you've got a sophomore that pops up that we've never heard of before, never seen before, because they they were buried in the bench last year as a freshman. I think that's Daniel Leverage this year.
2: Yeah, I I 100% agree. The very small sample size we got from Wyatt last year, he he looked pretty good. And his his summer numbers look good as well. You don't really have too much to go on the guy. You know that he added a slider. You know, kind of a sneaky pick for being one of the best in the bullpen. I, I I'm a fan of the hot take here. Um, uh, hey, so we got to
0: roll the dice. <laughs>
2: We're gonna throw it over to Evan Webster. Yes, Evan Webster is still playing at the University of Louisville. We're shocked too. He's he's still hanging around. Feels like he's forty by now, but Evan Webster is back for another year, and super excited to have him back too. He's a great guy to have around, and he had he had a pretty good year last year out of the pen. Uh, he went four and two with a three point oh nine ERA. Uh, had two saves. Struck sure out thirty six and thirty five innings, had three starts, uh, and made twenty two appearances total on the mound. So this is a guy that that does a little bit of everything for for Louisville, and that that's you always have to have somebody like that. Last year it was Tate Keener, you can kind of swing both ways. Before that was was Michael Kirian. I anticipate Evan Webster to fill that role of being able to start a game if needed. You know maybe some of the younger guys' arms that aren't aren't feeling it later in the season, Evan Webster, go out there, start some games, go out and close games, go out and get us out of a jam. Whatever you need, Evan Webster is going to be that guy. And I think the biggest question for Evan Webster this year is, will he have a full set of uniforms that fit him?
0: (laughs) Oh, got to love it. I I, I will say I'm super excited to have Webster back this year. I mean, a a guy like that in your bullpen and in your rotation – You can't put a price on it. I mean, it's like, like you mentioned, a couple of the guys, Michael Kirian, and and I'll throw in there Adam Elliott. I mean, the guy did anything and everything you asked him to do. You throw a couple days in a row if you had him to, and put him in a terrible situation. You can put him in a really good situation, and he's going to respond the exact same way. And I think that's all you can ask for. And to have a, a 15th year senior that has that, you know, experience and that seniority to To help be a leader in the bullpen. It, it You just can't put a price on it, having a guy like that, which kind of leads me into the next guy that I want to talk about, and that's Riley Phillips, because I think you can kind of couple those two together. Big Red, he he pitched in 16 games last year, had four starts, you know, twer- 12 appearances out of the bullpen, kind of the same way. He was 4-2 with the 4.08 ERA, struck out 46 in 35 innings. So, you know, high swing and miss guy. Um, but we can he's gonna be one of the guys that we're gonna have to rely on if this team's gonna succeed. And I, I truly believe that we like Phillips has to have a good year. Um he's he's got the experience. He you know, he he's pitched anywhere and everywhere. He he's a guy that the younger guys can look up to. He's got thirty seven appearances in his career. I think his his demeanor, um, he just kind of demands respect when he's around. So I think he's just a, one of those dudes that you, you need to have in the bullpen and that Louisville needs to have kind of say take another step forward this year. If this team's going to make a deep postseason run,
2: you know, while we've been going down this list here, we keep rattling off a bunch of lefties. I don't, I don't remember having this many left-handed guys that you can reliably go to throughout the season. And of of course, I'm sure that's by design from Dan McDonald, always looking to add another left-handed arm uh, including my next guy, Justin West. Um, this is a guy who we were really talking about big last season. We were we were all about Justin West. Uh, came out of out of Paducah Tillman. Um, what two years ago now? Um, had Tommy John while in high school. Comes to Louisville, gets fully healthy, starts his first career game in a midweek against Xavier last year, and throws out his arm done for the year after one inning. So now after that, what do you, you know, where do you go from here? You've got a guy with all the talent in the world, big left-handed arm. Um, You know, if, if I had to take a guess, I'd say you've probably got a bullpen arm, you know, following two back-to-back season ending arm injuries. You're looking at Justin West. Like, okay, we're going to, we're going to ease you back into this very gently. So, I'm not sure to you know what to expect in terms of amount of innings Justin West gets this year. I do expect him to be a factor out of the bullpen. I don't know what that's going to look like for him early on. You know, maybe get 15 to 25 innings ish throughout the year. We'll see how that goes. But I don't know I'm I'm super excited about the the career of Justin West. You know, last year around this time we had the conversation about West. You know that's a guy who could leave Louisville with his his picture out in right field. You know, he he is that good. I still believe he is that good. It's just going to going to be an interesting season to see how how Dan and, and and Roger go about navigating his his throwing schedule.
0: Yeah, healthy Justin West probably has some of the best stuff on the entire roster. And and I've been told that he's healthy, he's 100%, he's ready to go, but what's his 100% versus somebody else's 100%? You know, what What does that look like for him? You know, like you said, he, it was early on last year when he got hurt. He really didn't pitch in the summer. He didn't go play summer league or anything like that, stayed around here. So I, I think he's someone that the staff, the medical team, have. they're obviously taking it very serious, and they've eased him into this. So I think his workload is probably going to be, Pretty light as the season starts, um, but you know at some point in time, that has to increase if he if he's going to continue to continue to pitch. He's a starter, like that, that's what that's who Justin West is. He's not a relief pitcher, but he's going to be a relief pitcher just due to the circumstances of his arm. Can he get back to starting games in the future? Hell yes, and I hope he does because, like you said, this guy's got talent to be on the right field wall. I don't have the stats in front of me right now. I've, I've talked about this before. In a high school game against McCracken County, who's one of the best programs in the state of Kentucky, he lost a game to them and struck out like 27 batters or something like that. He lost 1-0. I I don't remember the exact numbers, but I do believe it was 27 and got beat. So he's got – you know, God's a talent. I mean, the kid can play. It's just can we get him healthy and keep him – in between the lines more than in the dugout. So that's going to be the biggest question with West going forward. So I'm going to flip the script over to guess what? Another left-handed pitcher as we go down this list, and that's Caden Campbell. And if there's anybody to be really excited about in this bullpen, I think Caden Campbell's one of those guys. He's a sophomore from Cincinnati, and as a freshman, he actually led the team last season with 23 appearances. And that's no accident. That didn't happen by chance. That happened because they could rely on him when they put him in the game. Uh, in those 23 appearances, though, he only threw 19.1 innings, struck out 25 batters. Um, he was obviously put in pretty situational uh, timing. It wasn't to go out there and throw two or three innings at a time. It was to get a get a batter out here, get a batter out there. Um, ERA was just north of five as a freshman. That's that's to be expected. But I've got high hopes for him next year. I mean, he was invited to the 2023 USA Collegiate National Team. And not just anybody gets invited to that. That's, it's pretty prestigious to, to get invited. To that I think Jack Payton was actually on it in 2022. If I'm not mistaken, Napchik tried out, but I don't believe he made the team. Um, and, I mean, Dan's had many guys that were on the – collegiate national team over the year dan he's he's coached it uh numerous times during his tenure at louisville as well so uh that that's not to be taken lightly and for somebody like Caden campbell as a freshman to get invited to that it's pretty big time it's it's no slouch so he he's going to be a big part of the bullpen this season
2: yeah definitely uh definitely a guy who could probably throw his hat in the ring for some some closing opportunities as well and you know, switching gears to somebody else who can potentially do that, Caleb Corbett. You know, I think the big question for Caleb Corbett this year is what version of Caleb do we get? His freshman year two years ago, sorry, three years ago now, you get you know a guy who closed games for Louisville, had an ERA around three, looked really good, comes back his sophomore year, posted an ERA over eight. Then last year, his junior year, pitches in 18 games out of the bullpen and finishes with an ERA of 1.69 over 21 and a third innings struck out 22 over those 21 and a third innings. Um, So like I said, what, what Caleb Corbett do you get? And I I think this is something that you and I have talked about before too. The situations for Corbett drastically changed from his first two years to last year, the, you know, high leverage situations was not something that Corbett found himself in often last year. Uh, but he looked really good in the innings that he did get. Uh, so how did, I'm not sure where Corbett goes from here. Do you give him another shot to get you know the seventh, eighth, or ninth innings, or do you just have him as the as a bridge guy? Which we absolutely need guys like that too. So be very curious to see what route. Dan McDonald and company take with Caleb Corbett this year.
0: No, and that's a big question mark as well with Corbett, is because we we've seen so many different Caleb Corbett's over the years, like you said. But my biggest question about him is, have they found a hat to fit his head yet? <laughs> you know, that, that every pitch he throws his his hat cuts off his head and he has to kind of readjust. But but no, Corbett's got the talent. And Corbett's one of those guys that when you talk about having the closer mentality, that's Caleb Corbett. Like you can tell he's a dog when he's on the mound. And I I, I think he's got the it factor. If we see the Caleb we had a couple of years ago when he was a freshman, there's no doubt in my mind that he could be competing for a a closer spot this year. So um, just, I'm really excited to see what, what Caleb would get, because if, if we get the Caleb we had his freshman year, this bullpen will be much, much improved sure so those are most of the returning guys we obviously can't touch on everybody will be here all night and as much as Aaron and I could do that well we're, we're gonna switch gears to some of the guys because we do we did have a couple um, transfers that came in this season I'm going to start with Sebastian Gungora who we've had on the pod should be a familiar name to you guys he was also a left-handed pitcher that transferred in from Wright State it's probably the well not probably he's the best transfer that Louisville's had with the new transfer portal era rules. He was the horizon league pitcher of the year last year at Wright State. He was ten and one with a three point one seven ERA, 89 strikeouts and 93 and two thirds innings. Um he's a big presence on the mound, six five, two fifteen. And when you look through his game logs last year, we talked about this with him a little bit. He picked up a win against Kentucky this year, so he's already got that under his belt. So um so kudos to him for knocking off an SEC team at Wright State last year. Um, but he's a, I mean, he's an instant impact guy. I mean, there, there's no two way around it. He, he was number 39 in the D one transfer portal rankings. So they had him uh, as a top 40 player. Um, like I said, left-handed pitcher is up to 94 on the mound. He sat at 88 a couple of years ago. So he's just continued to increase that over the last couple of years. So, I don't know if there's any more room for growth there. You know, it's a big frame. So maybe get with Roger Williams and get in the weight room a little bit more. And, you know, who knows? That could creep up to 95, 96. But but he's a Friday night type talent. You know, he's a a guy that if we didn't have on the roster this year, I think the outlook for this season would look much different than it does right now. But having a guy like Gungora as, you know, kind of an anchor for your weekend rotation I mean it. It really, really changes the entire trajectory trajectory of your season.
2: Friday night talent. I'm I'm super excited to see him work and carve up batters this year. And you know, moving on to to another transfer arm that's very intriguing. Jake Caraba out of D two Lewis University in the GLVC in 66 and two thirds innings last year. He had an ERA of 1.62, which is just ridiculous. Um, it struck out one hundred and nineteen over the sixty six and two thirds. I mean, that's a that's just straight domination took home pretty much every conference and national accolade that you could at the division two level. Now makes a jump up to to Louisville and the ACC. Obviously a much different game, but the stuff is there. The stuff is absolutely there. I think we're looking at a, at a guy who could potentially fill a pretty big role early on, could be in the mix for some some save opportunities could be in the mix for the weekend rotation. Haven't really been given clarity on, on what the direction is going to be for Jake Caraba, but this, this guy has, has the arm. He's got the stuff, you know, super excited to see him work this year and see what he brings to the table too.
0: Yeah. I think if you look at his numbers that he put up, it's just, just silly. I mean, video game, like numbers, he struck per nine. I mean, just, just insane stuff that he did out there. So hopefully that translates and, and the biggest question you always have is a guy from going from D two to high level ACC ball is, you know, how does that translate? So, just just curious, to see how that goes. It 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 works very well. I mean, if you look at Ole Miss a couple of years ago when they won the national championship, Dylan Delucia, I think was his name. He was a, a JUCO transfer and ended up winning, found not mistaken, most outstanding player at the College World Series, and he was a he's a JUCO guy. So I mean, it happens. So um, hopefully that is. In the case with Caraba, and we can we can be dogpiling on top of him when we get out to Omaha here later this year. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Mister and Missus is for everyone, from a more traditional ninety proof to a cash string that's smoother. In two thousand thirteen, Russ going to the hole. Boy, could we use that right now? Mister and Missus Bourbon covers tastes all different taste of preferences. Six different bourbons that they're offering. Be among the first to try Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon, the official Bourbon Estate of in the starting 502 podcast on shelves anywhere you find your liquor. And now online at Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon.com. Go check it out.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it?
0: I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes
2: sense.
1: Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.
0: So I'm going to go ahead and jump on to the last transfer we're going to talk about. That's Jared Lessman. He actually transferred in from Iowa Western Community College. The head coach at Iowa Western is actually at Western Kentucky now. Um, who I'm a big fan of, love him. Um, But Lesman a couple years ago when he committed, had a really good year in 2022. I'm not making this up. He had a .54 ERA in 16 innings. So just crazy numbers, striking out 14 uh, per nine, which is just big time. Uh, 2023, his numbers kind of dipped a little bit though. ERA inflated up to 615, but he's still striking out 14 um, per nine innings. Big swing and miss guy. Um, he did go up to the Northwoods League in 2022, so not this summer, but the summer before, and had another big-time year up there. Um, 29 innings, struck out 35. So, I mean, he, he he's a he's a big swinging myth. I mean, he, he's a guy that if, uh, you know, we just need a strikeout situational type guy, I could see Lesman, another left-handed pitcher. Um, I could see him get an insert in type of a role. We need We need one out, and we need one out right now type of guy.
2: Yeah, that's it's awesome to to see Dan McDonald dipping into the the JUCO ranks once again. You know something that we are familiar with, and you know the just the D one D two transfers as well. It's it's super exciting to see these guys come in and hopefully make an immediate impact. And you know, speaking of guys who could potentially make an immediate impact, let's move to the freshman. You got Parker Detmers. Everybody and their mom who know who watches Louisville baseball, they know Detmers. You. Obviously, everybody knows Reed, uh, but when you think of Reed, think of the exact opposite, and you have Parker Detmers. You've got a guy who is a big righty um, who can run up the ball. You know, If if he's put in a situation out of the bullpen, he's probably a mid-90s guy, can probably get up to 96, 97 off the mound. You know, If he was in a relief spot, uh, if we do see him in a starting role this year, which I do think that he could very well be our midweek guy. Uh, to start the season you're probably looking at a guy who's sitting 90 to 92 this guy is an absolute workhorse will get a lot of outs super lucky to have him on campus definitely thought that he was going to go in the draft uh, shout out to Reed for probably directing him to campus as well I'm sure that had a that had a pretty big impact on on Parker's decision to, to come to Louisville but super excited about what his career could be and you know, just like we talked about with Justin West last year, I think that this is another guy who you could be looking at in the All-American wall in the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, and you're spot on with your breakdown of him. And I, I hate to – you know, he, he's always going to be in the same sentence as Reed because it, that's his brother. But, you know, I think Reed really paved the way to show him that going to college, like there, there's a, a pretty damn good path from going to college to get into – Major League Baseball, you don't have to go right now out of high school, collect a little bit of money. Like, you can go to college and collect a lot of money later on. Like, the proof's in the pudding. You saw it with your brother. So I think that probably had a big impact because I I really didn't think there was any chance he was going to show up on campus. I just didn't see it happening. I I was told his number was pretty high, that he was requesting from teams to sign. I don't know what that number was, but I was told it was pretty high. He didn't get drafted, so – Obviously, there was team. No team thought they could sign him for what he wanted, so he didn't get. Uh, let me make that clear. He didn't get drafted because he's not good enough. The kid's got talent. He didn't get drafted because the teams just didn't think they had the the money there to sign him. So, um, speaking of another guy that I didn't think was going to show up on campus, that's Colton Hartman. He's the number forty two ranked player in twenty twenty three. He was the number four ranked left handed pitcher, and I'm completely shocked that we saw. Hartman show up on campus. He's already a mid-90s guy. That's probably going to increase. I mean, he's 6'3", 220. He's probably gotten a little bit bigger since then. They We don't have the rosters out yet, so uh, he's probably a little bit bigger now. But I mean, he's a future big leader. He's a weekend guy at Louisville. Probably not this year. But Colton Hartman will be in the weekend rotation here at Louisville at some point in time. He's one of those guys that I, I think he's going to pitch early and often as a, as a freshman. Dan was on the radio the other day and said, you know, the this year's bullpen is going to be a little bit different than last year's bullpen because they've got the luxury that they don't have to throw these freshmen into the fire. But I think Colton Hartman and Parker Detmers, I don't think it's that you don't want to throw them in the fire because you want to protect them. I think they're so damn good you're going to want to put them on the mound. So I, I think they're going to play just because – They're going to be one of the best options that we have when you look down the bullpen. And that's not saying anything bad about who's already down there. It's saying how good Hartman and Detmers are and that they're ready to play from day one. So I think both of those guys will probably see some time on the mound sooner than later.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. You know, in the in the fall and the recent spring scrimmages, we've seen both of them get some run on the mound and I think that's pretty indicative of of Dan and Roger's plans for them this season. Just going to pivot to uh, a few more freshmen here to round out the group. Uh Ty Stark, Mitchell Dean, Kyle Crow, Thomas Howard, TJ Schlageter and Braxton Stewart, all a group of guys who could make some impact this season not entirely sure if they do or if maybe they red shirt uh i think a couple of really intriguing guys here you got ty stark who has seen some run in scrimmages recently um uh, the kid is incredibly tall six foot seven and incredibly skinny um you know if, if i think if he's on that that baseball meal plan a little bit longer he puts some weight on you're probably looking at a guy that's you know 87 to 89 to 93 to 95 i mean the the kid is incredibly effective i'm super excited to see ty stark's career unfold here oh and you know he's not the only one that's that's got a you know good size on them too you got mitchell dean who's six 220 uh, the kid's absolutely built you got Braxton Stewart who's 6'4", 160 so he can put on some weight too just like Stark Um, you know and Thomas Howard himself he's he's an incredible athlete too good size you know it's it's nice to see all these big bodies come to Louisville there's a lot of, of good stuff to work with for, for Dana Roger And like I said not entirely sure which of these guys sees time on the mound this year if any but you know you never know what circumstances may arise, plans may change. Um, you know, we'll we'll see what's in the in the cards for them this year.
0: Yeah. Ty Stark, you talked about him at length. I'll just mention one more thing. He St. X was actually picked last year in a perfect game tournament, I believe it was, down in North Carolina. They they picked sixteen national teams. I cannot remember the name of the tournament for the life of me. But they they picked sixteen high school teams, not travel ball team, actual high school teams that went down. And Stark pitched the first game for St. was single elimination. Stark pitched the first game down there for St. X, and, and they won the game. So, you know, and, and on the big stage, one of the best teams in the country, uh, St. X was able to, to pick up a win. So um, he's got talent. Um, he, he's played on the big stage before. So I, I don't know how much run he'll get this year. But if he does, the kid's got tons of talent. And one other thing about Thomas Howard – Kids of Moose, um, his dad's a legacy player. He or he's a legacy player. His dad played baseball at UFL back in the day. So, so good to see that tradition continuing with the Howard family. So now that we've talked about the pitchers in detail, let's kind of swing around to who they're going to be throwing the ball to. That's the catchers behind the plate, which last year, as we all know, was at. You know, I hate to say this because Jack Payton was the catcher, but last year the catcher position was just kind of a dumpster fire because of because of the injuries, not because of any of the players back there. It was just because of the, the injuries that – it was just an unlucky season. You've got three of your catchers that go down. You end up looking at your first baseman who hasn't played catcher since high school to go back there and catch a couple very important ACC games. But I think the outlook – on the catcher position is much different and it's much improved from a season ago, even though Jack's not back there. there there's just a lot of talent and I, I don't think we're going to run into the same options or same issues we had last year with as many options we have this year. So first off is Luke Napleton. we talked about him before. He's a transfer uh D2 Quincy University in Illinois. He was an all American region player of the year. He led all of D2 in home runs was twenty nine. RBIs with eighty seven and total bases with hundred and eighty seven led all of d two in those three categories. And mind you, he batted three fifty two with eighteen doubles and twenty seven walks. So biggest question, like I said with Jake Caraba coming from d two is how does that power translate? um he, he he's shown the power. We've seen it in the in the fall and in the spring scrimmages and whatnot. so we we've seen him show that. He's also shown a little bit more gap to gap approach. But I think this year, we really need Napleton's long ball threat because this team—they're they're, just—if you look up and at the lineup, they're just not a whole lot of home run power anywhere. So I'd love to see that. Yaros not going to be picky if he's going to come over here and hit three fifty-two. He can hit singles all damn year for all I care if he's going to hit three fifty-two. But having that home run threat is going to be big for this roster. After that, you've got the two sophomores, Matt Klein and Will Veerling. They both we're having pretty good seasons last year until they got hurt as freshmen before they went down Klein. He's a sophomore here from Trinity uh, started six games behind the plate last year. Actually got a start an opening weekend. Uh, he batted 300 last year um, before his season ended with an injury. And then Veerling recorded 10 starts as a freshman before he got hurt. Um, he batted 182 uh, with four RBIs. So, those are the returning guys, and then if you flip the script over to the freshmen, two guys to be really, really excited about. Zion Rose, again, another guy that I just didn't didn't anticipate being on campus right now. I didn't think we'd be talking about him at this point in time. Uh, number 75-ranked player in his class, number five catcher. Uh, we had him on the pod not too long ago, so if you remember Zion, he was on the podcast not too long ago. Um, Kind of good, he's, he's the next rendition of catcher. You, I mean, this, this kid's a stud. Big frame, super athletic. He's a guy that can play opening day if if they want him to. And he, he's another guy we've talked about it a couple times. He's he's all American right field wall type talent from Louisville. I mean, he, he's, it would not surprise me one bit if a couple years down the road, they're they're picking out which picture they want to print of him to to slap on the wall out there because he's he's that good. The last freshman I want to talk about is George Baker. He was actually ranked 248th in the class, number 21 catcher. Uh, his dad's a former Major League Baseball player. He played at a couple different organizations, Cardinals being one of them, if I'm not mistaken, and now he runs a, a travel ball uh, team. Now He participated in the MLB draft combine and had the fourth highest exit below and the second longest hit at the combine of every single player that was there and that participated. Which is pretty impressive for a high school senior to do that. Um, but more impressive than that, he's probably right now, today, the best defensive catcher on the roster. And I, I don't think he'll probably record log many innings this year. His bat does need to, it, it's got some catching up compared to some of the other guys. But George Baker, I mean, he's going to be an impact guy. I mean, there's there's no two ways about it. He's going to play here. Um, he's that talented. It, it's just a matter of when and where. And Aaron, you're about to take over the first baseman. It, it could be a situation where he could see some time at the first base. I mean, he's a big kid, big frame. So uh, I'll, I'll let you kind of take over the other first baseman. But it, it wouldn't surprise me to see Baker moving from behind the plate to go down there with uh, McCoy.
2: Yeah, I mean – my my first baseman list is uh, far less impressive than than that catcher list right there. Uh, you know, returning as your first baseman this year, you got Ryan McCoy. There's no questions about that. Ryan McCoy will be your opening day first baseman for Dan McDonald. Uh, this is second season at Louisville, following a transfer from Wabash Valley, uh, JUCO out of Illinois, uh, he played in all 55 games uh, last year. He was tied for the team lead in home runs with twelve. I mean, the the guy can hit the ball a country mile. Impressive power. we Will never forget that home run in Durham that he hit four hundred eighty feet. Just crazy impressive. I think the issue with Ryan McCoy is strikeouts. We we need to get those strikeouts down. Uh, he also is you know he led the team in home runs last year, and he also led the team in strikeouts. That's definitely something that. He, is going to have to change. And I, I do think that he has the, all the tools to cut that down, especially now that he's got a year of ACC play under his belt. I, I do think that he you know will continue to grow. Like we talked about earlier, Ryan McCoy was thrown into catching late last season. That obviously will not be an issue again this year. We've got a loaded catching group. Ryan McCoy will not have to go back there and catch ever again, Hopefully. Um, but I, I do think that that McCoy catching was definitely something that could have played into those offensive struggles as well. That was just not fair to him. Um, So hopefully we see a full season of him at first base uh, but beyond Ryan McCoy. Like we talked about earlier, you got Will Cook who transferred to John A. Logan. And after that, you know, take your pick of backup catchers. If Ryan McCoy is injured or, you know, needs a day off, whatever it may be from first base, you uh, take a pick of any one of those catchers we've seen george baker get reps at first base incredible defensive men like you already said um you know just just any one of of those guys can can easily fill in at first base so you know that depth that we have at catcher position just carry that over to first base and it's going to be a good year there too
0: and then right next to first you've got one of my most excited players on I think in the entire roster and that's Dylan Hoy the transfer from Marist he wasn't here too terribly long and was pretty much instantly named a captain for the, this upcoming season and I think a lot of that's due to his exciting style of play he plays with a lot of energy he's going to put a lot of pressure on opposing pitchers with uh, how aggressive he is on the base path he really fits Dan McDonald's style to a T he's perfect for what Dan McDonald wants to do in the plate he wants to move the baseball you know, take it base by base. Um, he's going to lay bunts down. He, he's just, he just really fits uh, the Eric Snyder, Dan McDonald style of play. And last year, he hit 245 with eight doubles, four home runs, 19 RBIs, and 16 stolen bases. The average was down a little bit. A couple years ago, he did hit two ninety-two, so it's there. Uh, I, I think he's a guy that uh, we're really going to rely on to be like your your high-energy guy coming out of the bullpen and hyping the team up. Um, everything I've heard about him is just, um, just super energetic, plays with a lot of passion. So he actually is being featured right now on a, a documentary by the MLB Network. They're doing a documentary about the MLB Summer League. So he will be uh, featured in that. I'm not sure exactly when it's going to release, but he went up to New York in the fall and kind of um, – did some filming and stuff like that. So excited to see uh, what Dylan brings to the table this year. Anybody that i talk to, if I in around close to the program, like, Hey, give me a name. Who, who, who do I need to look out for this year? Dylan Hoy, every time Dylan Hoy. So I'm just really excited to see how his game is going to translate and what that's going to look like in between the lines. When we start playing real games behind him at second, it's, it's kind of like you said at first, you know, I think we've got kind of a um, a couple options there. Like we said, Tucker Bivin, he played a little bit of middle infield last year. You could see him, guy from New Albany, um, played 20 games last year, only recorded six at bat. So we really don't have a whole lot to go off there. Uh, Brandon Anderson, I mean, we could talk about him at all four positions. Like he, he could literally play first, second, third, and short. He can play all four positions. He's a guy that could be there. I mean, I guess Patrick Forbes could play – I mean, he could play probably any infield position except first, so he could play uh, second, third, and short. So I, I think the second base is going to kind of be by committee behind Dylan Poy, but he's the guy that's going to get the majority of your reps.
2: For sure. And moving over to third base, we're going to start off with Logan Beard. Uh, he played in every game – last year for the team split time between second and third base. He's also team captain for the season. He hit 282 with seven home runs and 34 RBIs in 2023. I think the big question for him this year is what is his role going to be in the lineup? Is he going to be a top of the guy, or sorry, top of the lineup type of guy, a a table setter if you will? Or is he going to be, you know, a little bit further down in the lineup, you know, that 7 8 9 spot that Dan's always been known for getting a lot of production out of. um. So I, I think that getting a, a good defined role for Beard is going to be going to be very key for him this year. And then right behind Beard, like you already talked about at second base, got Brandon Anderson. Anderson was actually the opening day third baseman last year. So third base is definitely something that he's comfortable with, can play pretty much everywhere. Um, you know, he had 295 with one home run in 2023. If he's gonna play third base though, he has to find the power. And I'm gonna say this for Logan Beard, too. I think the two of them need to find their power stroke. Between the two of them, they had eight home runs last year. If you're gonna play a power position, then we need to hopefully see see some more power numbers. I think that's the biggest thing that was missing from the lineup last year is just a lack of home runs. And, um something that you know we we have plenty of in previous seasons. You know, your 22 team has Dalton rushing, Cam Masterman, Ben Metzinger, who are all 15-plus home runs rushing over 20. And then you have a group that can't get over 12. So we just need, need somebody to step up, find the power stroke, hopefully. And I, I do think that Brandon Anderson could be that guy.
0: Yeah, I, I think Anderson, we, we, like I said, we could talk about him at all four positions. But I think this infield, there's pretty a lot of versatility here. I think you could move. Beard over to second if you had to and put Forbes or Anderson at third. I I think you can interchange a lot of these players. So it's curious to see what, what Dan's gonna do with the lineup because he he always he always tinkers with the lineup the first couple weekends. So I'm I'm curious to see what he does, but I think we're gonna see quite a few different variations over the first couple weekends. So heading over to shortstop, that is one guy, one guy only, and that's Gavin Keelan. Um fully prepared for him to take a big step this year. Not that he didn't have a, a a big season last year, started 38 games as a freshman, batted 256. Um, but I really like his game. He reminds me a lot of Natchick, but I think he has a more natural feel at shortstop than Natchick did. Uh, you know, Dan has talked about how he's one of the best defenders to ever play at Louisville, which is just um insane to think about. And think about some of the guys that have come through here, Devin Harrison and um, you know, some of the gold glovers that we've had. Um Dan always talks about how professional he is and how hard of a worker he is. And, you know, he, he very, takes everything very serious. So I think Keelan is going to be a leader this year, but I think he's going to be a quiet leader. He's, he's not the guy that's going to show a ton of emotion the bullp- out of the at the dugout or on the field, but he's one of those guys that I think he just he demands that respect by the way he plays and how how, how just the professional approach that he takes to the game. Um, and behind him is Alex... Alisaia, um, he's a freshman, I believe. I'm saying that right. Dan was talking about him the other day. He played for the Hitters organization in Wisconsin, um, very re- respectable uh, travel ball organization that continuously feeds local players. We've had numerous guys that have come down here from Hitters. That's um, just the gift that keeps on giving. Um, he was the Wisconsin Player of the Year in PBR or by PBR last year. He hit 500, scored 50 runs. And most impressively, he was fifty-seven of fifty-seven on stolen bases last year. So, if nothing else, I think he's a guy that we're going to see in situations where uh, we need a pinch runner. I, I think we could see his his number called to come out and um, help swipe the bag if it's if it's late in the game. Um, he's a switch hitter, so as far as your lineup management and roster management goes, I think he's he's a guy that provides some versatility there. Um, And he's very advanced defensively. Um, You know these guys that come from the Midwest, and with Keelan and Napchick, and and now Alexia, it's just they just continue to produce just plus defensive players at shortstop. Um, And with Louisville being the best team in the Midwest, I'm I'm okay that if that gift just keeps on giving.
2: Yeah, so gonna shift over to the outfield now, and doesn't seem like there's too much of a discussion as to who will be your starting outfielders. Um, seems to be JT Benson will be your guy in left, Eddie King in center, and Isaac Humphrey in right. Uh, JT Benson hit six home runs last season, 34 RBIs, a 288 average. Uh, he got it done in, in multiple aspects of the game, was a top-10 guy in the ACC in stolen bases. He finally had a season where he was healthy, and it was great to see him come along. I do think that this is that the season coming up for JT Benson is going to very much mirror what we saw with Ben Metzinger a couple years ago. Metzinger battled injuries his entire career at Louisville and you know eventually comes on and, and just breaks out his senior year. I think that's gonna be what we see in JT Benson. I think that he's a guy who could potentially be a 15 plus home run guy as well. Gonna move on to Eddie King in center. He had 274 last season with five home runs and 42 RBIs in his first real season of of uh, playing college baseball. Um, he had an incredible summer on the Cape. You know that was definitely a big step forward for him. You know he he's just an impact guy can do can get it done in all aspects of the game. Just like Benson, I do think that we're going to see another step forward for Eddie King this year. I definitely think. That we're looking at a, at a three hundred hitter with you know a, a great glove out in center. I can go get the ball, and then in right field you've got Isaac Humphrey returning. Um, Isaac Humphrey did not have the season last year that everybody had hoped that he would have. Had an incredible first season out in right field and kind of took a step back from being you know on that that all freshman ACC team. Um, so. Kind of surprised that we are at a point where we're talking about Isaac Humphrey being in the lineup this year. Thought for sure, you know, after his first season that he was going to be drafted last season, but I am happy that that Humphrey is back. But one thing is for certain that he has to, he has to put it all together this year because the depth behind him is really good. Uh, Just name a few. You've got Michael Lippi, Corbin Dickerson and Lucas Moore who are chomping at the bit to, to get at these guys and, and get their spots. You know, we had JT Benson on the pod, um you know, a couple months ago and he talked about all the, the young guys coming up uh, right behind him. Corbin Dickerson, a local guy from Trinity. Uh He was drafted in the 19th round by the Minnesota twins in 2022, decided to pass up on that opportunity to come to school. So, He's, he's got an incredible arm, incredible bat. I do anticipate Dickerson getting a number of at-bats this year. He'll definitely get an opportunity to play. Um, Lucas Moore, somebody that we haven't really talked about a whole lot and somebody who kind of just snuck his way in there and burst on the scene during the fall. You know, he had an incredible pizza bowl had some great fall scrimmages. I think every time the graphics were tweeted from top performers, Lucas Moore was in that mix. He just I, I think that Lucas Moore is just gonna be another another guy who's chomping at the bit to get in there. He's he's definitely gonna get some at bats this year as well. And finally, Michael Lippy. I think Lippy was on the roster last season, red shirted, spent the, the summer in the Northwoods League, had a really good summer season. Um, strikeouts, the you know, the swing and miss has definitely been an issue. Um, as much of an issue as it has been for some of the other guys that are looking to be in the lineup. Probably not somebody that you want to mix in there quite yet, but you never know where that development has been in the fall and the spring so far. So I I definitely think that all three of those guys could definitely see some time in the outfield this year.
0: I think of the guys you mentioned, obviously Benson, King, and Humphrey, those are your three core guys. But I think the one I'm most excited about is Lucas Moore. Everything I've heard about him is just incredible. My favorite thing about Moore, though, is the fact that he was a Kentucky commit and flipped to Louisville uh, not too terribly long um, before the signing period ended. So uh, not too long ago, they would have been talking him down the road in Lexington, but instead we have Lucas Moore. I I think Lucas Moore is probably going to be the fourth outfielder this year in the roster, as good as some of these other guys are. I think even though he's a freshman, I think Lucas Moore will probably be the fourth guy to push. And he's going to demand innings and he's going to demand at-bats this year because I think he's that good. So really excited to see how the coaching staff uses him going forward this year. So I know that is a lot as we run through all of the positions. So I guess now let's kind of take all that information and tie it up and put a bow on it on what we think. Our projected lineup is. And we've talked about this probably 450 times between the two of us. And I think we may be in an agreement on what we think our lineup is at this point in time. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we do. Um, I'll go ahead and kind of give what I think. I, I think the outfield is chalk, right? I think you have J.T. Benson in left. I think you've got Eddie King Jr. in center, and you've got Isaac Humphrey. And right, I think that that's your outfield opening day. That's not going to be outfield every single game, obviously. But I think that is when when you have to win a baseball game. I think that that's going to be your your lineup. <clears throat> I think when you go across the infield at third, I think you've got Logan Beer to start the season. At short, you've got Gavin Keelan. At second, you've got Dylan Hoy. At first, you've got Ryan McCoy, and then behind the plate to start the season, I think you've got Luke Napleton. Depending on how that goes, I could see some of those changing, specifically catching position with Zion Rose potentially. But I think that is your lineup at this point. Aaron, do you, do you have any any differences there? Do you kind of agree with that?
2: Strangely, I 100% agree with that. You know, I think that's a first for us every time we've done a season preview. I think we've <laughs> always gone through the lineup and, and had some some disagreements, but I, I 100% agree with you right there, which is very strange.
0: And I think maybe it's just because I'm so smart and I know some, no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I, I think this year, I think the lineup is, I think it's kind of chalk right now. And, uh, I, I don't think it's going to be chalk when we get into May, but I think at this point in time, I think those are the guys you have to go with and see what happens. You know, there, there's going to be movement. That, that's not going to be our lineup when we get to the NCAA tournament. But I think, as of right now, that's who you have to go with and let things play out. So let's go to weekend rotation. You know, we we talked about, I don't know, 15 different pitchers. There, there's a lot of guys on this roster that I think could compete for a starting role. We've got a handful of guys that have started in the past here that aren't going to start anymore this year. So let, let, let's look at your weekend rotation.
2: I'm going to go with Friday night, Sebastian Gongora, Saturday, Carson Liggett, and Sunday, Patrick Forbes.
0: I like it. I, th- I think you have the three that I would put in there, but I would just change the order a tad. I would have Gongora on Friday night, I would have Forbes on Saturday, and then I would have Liggett on Sunday. I think we've seen Liggett enough out of the Sunday roll to know that he's comfortable with that spot in the rotation. So I, I think I could. I think it will. That, that's just my opinion. I don't. I don't have any insight on that. But I think it could probably be your Sunday guy.
2: Yeah, I I do agree with you there too.
0: And I know there's a handful of guys that we talked about as the closer. Who who do you think's our closer this year?
2: That's that's a little bit tougher. I I do yeah. see I do see a potential closer closer by committee. Do you think yeah. that Caden Campbell's in the mix? I you know, Caden Campbell kind of gives me that that psycho left hander closer type vibes. I I like Caden Campbell in that potential role. Uh Will Coger for sure. We've already touched on that. And then Jake Caraba. Definitely think that that those three guys are probably in the mix at the start of the season to get some some closing opportunities. And, you know, probably one of them will emerge. And if not, somebody else will emerge and as a potential closer. I do think that by April, you probably have somebody who's getting all the the save opportunities. But for right now, I'm going to stick with those three.
0: I think Dan was on the radio the other day, and he, he mentioned how the pitching staff right now in the bullpen, it's it's fluid, right? And that's how it's going to be for some time. Like, you know, we can have a 1,000 intra-squad scrimmages and we can play against each other and we can throw down the bullpen as much as they want to. But until you, you know, lace up the spikes and get down there and play another team – it's really hard to tell how someone's gonna respond. So I, I think that it's a it's gonna be a fluid situation until we get some on the field results. I I could see Karaba, I I like that name at the back end of the bullpen. I don't know if you look at his numbers, he's probably a guy that many think is a starter, but I, I could see him he, he's a guy that you want him in a meaningful role. And the closer position is something that every one of Dan McDonald, Roger Williams' good teams have had. All their successful teams, we talked about this the other day, they've all had a dominant closer, every one of them. So I think you need somebody at the end. I think by committee is okay to start the season, but I think at some point in time we have to have a defined role, and I think Caraba could be that guy. also wouldn't mind to see somebody like Riley Phillips get a shot at it. I think he's earned his stripes. He's been around long enough. He's done this. Um, he, he's got the appearances. He's got the experience. Uh, I, I think he's at least worthy of getting a shot at it and seeing how he responds.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think you can go wrong with, with Riley Phillips in that role either.
0: So I, I, I think there's, there's so many options, I and mean, we can talk about this like we do every single day, and we're going to be wrong most of the time. But I think it's worthy of, you know, the discussion and, and talking about who the options are. So I guess now that we've kind of wrapped up our projected lineup, what are your expectations for the season? You know, the, the, we're we're looking at a team that has missed the tournament two of the last three years. We're looking at a team that missed their conference tournament for the first time in the history of being in the ACC. Uh, we're looking at, team you that know, has a lot of guys returning. I mean, we look up and down this list that we've talked about tonight. I mean, gosh, the, the defensive players. We've got five or six guys that started last year that are back this year. Uh, you look up and down the bullpen and the projected starters. I mean, a lot of those guys have been here before. But you, you've got a lot of guys coming back from a team that didn't make the tournament. So, uh, you know, where, where does – How much weight do you put into? Okay, yeah, we've got a lot of experience, but the experience hasn't produced as well as we thought it should, or we thought it would. So, I I guess just let's talk about that. What What are your thoughts on this season?
2: You know, just just in terms of expectations, point blank, you cannot miss the tournament again. You cannot miss the tournament in three of the last four years. Cannot, absolutely, cannot happen. And furthermore, you can you absolutely cannot miss the ACC tournament ever mm-hmm. again that that's not Louisville baseball that's just that's bare minimum expectations uh but like, like you said though there's there's a lot of experience but the experienced guys who are returning have yet to get it done and there's there's some question marks in there that you know you you look at, at guys like an Eddie King, a Patrick Forbes, a Will Coger, they go to the Cape Cod League and absolutely light the light the league on fire. Do have a tremendous summer. And, you know, you look at guys up and down the lineup who went to their respective leagues and, and did similar things as well. Um, You know, when you have those big summers and you're able to find something that clicks there where you're able to work on it a little bit more, I do think that you're, you know, you hope that a lot of these guys can carry it over into the spring season. And not only that, but I think that we have a very, very impressive group of freshmen that are pushing the older guys and chomping at the bit to get in their spots. Because I think that this, this young core that we have is a core that can play right now. And, you know, if a, if a Zion Rose, Wants to go out there and and catch he definitely can catch on opening day if that's what Dan really wanted to do or Parker Detmers can be your midweek starter right away you know I I think that you know between Detmers and Rose and Hartman we probably have the ACC freshman of the year on the roster I I do believe in that and I I think that just that that young core of of freshmen and, and sophomores who didn't get a chance to play on the field last year are in a spot where they can, they are definitely able to touch the field because I think there's going to come a time for, for Dan and the coaching staff, you know, not, not necessarily pressing the panic button, but knowing that you can't miss the tournament again, then, you know, maybe it's time to try out the freshmen a little bit sooner than you would have in previous years.
0: Yeah. And I think the mentality of this, Season has to kind of be next man up. You know, I, I think if we've got guys that aren't producing this year, I think you've got to look down the bench and you got to say, Hey, Parker, take the ball, or Colton, go take the ball. You've got guys like, like we talked about, Daniel levitt We've got guys like Caden Campbell. You've got your Corbin Dickersons, your Lucas Moore, your Zion Roses. You know, you've got these younger guys that if, if some of the experienced guys aren't producing, you you got to try something different you know the, the standard at Louisville is the standard that was set by Dan McDonald you know before he showed up here baseball didn't exist but like you said if you have another bad year miss the tournament you're looking at miss the tournament three out of four years and I, and I don't think that's where this team is heading but that's if we don't make it that's that's facts that's where we are I think you have to try something different. So I think a lot of these guys this year, in my opinion, should have a short leash because we don't want to. We we've tasted that too the last three years. That's not where we want to be. That's not Louisville baseball. And and Dan would tell you the same thing. That's not what he expects. Not, you know, he he wants to be in the tournament. He wants to be dogpiling. That's that's the goal. That's why he's here. So I think, you know, these older guys. Yes, they're older. Yes, they've been in the program for a while, and yes, they've. Collected, you know, quite a few starts at this point in time, but we've got to see the results. I mean, if, if we're not seeing the results, we, we we're gonna to have to put some of these freshmen or some of these sophomores out there and just see what happens. You know, maybe maybe a little adversity, or maybe you know, maybe trying out something new, and you know, putting somebody on the bench that could light a fire under their ass, and you know, and get them get them to elevate their game to the next level. Because none of us want to be here, you know. And most importantly, you and I don't want to sit here and talk about, you know, another season like we did last year. So, you know, we want to be celebrating uh, regionals and we want to be celebrating super regionals at Jim Patterson Stadium and get back to local baseball, you know, where it was. The talents there, I think, collectively, they just have to to get it together and get this team to right the ship and get back in the right direction. So. That is all we have. I know we had a, a lot of information tonight. We kind of broke down position by position. Just want to take you all around the entire diamond. Because there's a lot of new faces. Like I said, there, there's a lot of faces we're familiar with. But there's a lot of faces that are pushing these guys this year as well. Uh, coaching staff for the transfer portal. So those are new faces that we haven't seen before. Um, I do encourage you, if you haven't made it out to – Jim Patterson Stadium for the fall or any of the scrimmage this year to, to try to get out there and support these guys. I know Louisville fans right now, they just want something. We talked about this last year, too, because basketball was obviously what it was last year, and that's a different podcast for a different day where they are this year. But, you know, Louisville fans just – they want something. And I think this team, if, if we can get on a winning streak and start um, – you know, start the season off on the right foot, the fans are going to come out and, and support this team. And if you haven't in the past, I encourage you to do so. Jim Patterson Stadium is a beautiful place to watch a baseball game. They have tons of promotions. You can get in free on every single game that's not a conference game or Kentucky or Vandy or Indiana or whichever games they are they charge for. Most of the games or a good majority of the games are free. So I encourage you to, to take in. A baseball game at Jim Patterson Stadium this year, if you have not um, in the past, because I, I promise you won't regret it. And if you do, and it's a free game, your admission's on me. Um, so so I'll, I'll cover that for you. So, um, but yeah, yeah, get out there, support these guys; they deserve it. Um, they, they're, uh, you know, the ones I've talked to, and the, uh, everybody around the program I've talked to, they're pissed off. The, that's that's the number one kind of thing that I've taken away from them is they're pissed off they don't like the way last year ended and they want to get this thing back on the rails so the more fans they get in the stands um, the easier it is going to be for them because they're going to have a little bit more passion behind them so um, that's my soapbox get out there support the guys um, you'll be hearing a lot from Aaron and I over the season We don't plan on going anywhere. We're going to be there with them every single pitch, win, loss through this season. So we'll be here. Um, And in the words of Sean Moss, we'll see you at the ballpark.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies